I'd like to draw your attention to the passage that Dr. Brock read for us a few moments ago. And in introducing that passage, I'm going to focus on, frankly, the last verses, verses 16 to 18. I remember a number of years ago, a long time ago, uh, when I was in seminary, I was in a class where the professor asked each person in the class how long they had prepared for the exam. Got to me, and I said, all my life. And he said, seriously, how long? I said, I'm serious, all my life. The message today is going to be much more personal than I've ever preached at a commencement before. And you'll see that as we, as we go on. I've prepared for this message all my life, but particularly I've prepared for the message over the last four years. God has taught me some some things, and he's directed my path. This particular passage was precious to me four years ago, and it has remained precious in every event of life. I'm excited about it. I I determined a year ago, after last graduation, this is going to be the message today. And uh, I already have started the message in a way that I didn't anticipate. So we're going to have the Lord uh, lead in all of that. Graduates, your ability to not faint, and that's the passage before us, is going to be determined by what you see. And that's going to be determined by how you look, what you look at. And that's going to determine where you're going to go and who you're going to become. And that's really what the passage is all about. If you're going to persevere, if you're going to experience God's higher purposes, if you're going to faithfully and fruitfully uh, serve the Lord, then you need to determine where you're going to look and ultimately what you're going to see. Paul says, we faint not. We faint not. We don't give up. We don't quit. We don't cave in. Uh, We don't sulk in despair. And why would Paul and his co-laborers faint anyway? Well, the context gives us that. We read in verse 8, we're troubled on every side. 9, persecuted, cast down. Verse 10, always bearing about the dying of the Lord Jesus. Verse 11, always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Ha, that sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Isn't that exciting that you can go out and experience ministry like that? You going to sign up for that one? Uh, None of us would do so on purpose, but frankly, Paul didn't sign up ahead of time knowing the details of what he was going to suffer. Paul and the other apostles determined not to faint. Now, why did they determine that? They determined that God's people and God's glory are too important for them to quit. They're too important for them to be only halfway committed to the cause of Christ. Verse 12, then death worketh in us. That sounds like complete commitment to me, okay? Death. That's what he says, and that's what he means. Uh, He is all in in this matter of serving Jesus Christ. He said, for all things are for your sakes. And then he says, to the glory of God we serve. 
All these things that we do and all the things that we suffer, may it be for the glory of God. And so for which cause we faint not. Glorifying God involves both conduct and service for your sakes. Ministering and modeling gospel truth to you, Paul says, is bringing ultimate glory to God. So graduate, if you're going to make it in this life without fainting, you're going to have to look in the right direction and you're going to have to see the right things. Now I'm a little more interested in the subject of sight since cancer took my right eye four years ago. I know now that the human eye has over 10 million light-sensitive cells packed tightly into the retina and that these cells are completely destroyed and replaced every week. And each one of the cells is vastly complex. In fact, the retina conducts close to 10 billion calculations every second, and that's before the image ever gets to the brain. And as amazing as this is, I've come to appreciate even more the truth that spiritual sight is infinitely more important than physical sight. Billions have died with perfect physical sight who were blind to spiritual and eternal realities. Yet there have been some who were physically blind for all or, or most of their lives who have seen spiritual realities with unusual clarity. One such person was Fanny Crosby, who discerned the good hand of God in her physical blindness, and she wrote this, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank God for that dispensation. If perfect earthly sight were offered to me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things around me. She also said and wrote this, Oh, what a happy soul am I, though I cannot see. I'm resolved in this world contented I shall be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. And then we all know these words. Take the world, but give me Jesus. In his cross my trust shall be, till with clearer, brighter vision, face to face, my Lord, I see. Paul states that our troubles are designed to bring glory to God. And they do so while we faint not and focus on unseen eternal things when we look in the right direction. On July 29th, 2019, one week after I lost my eye, I wrote this in my diary. If it takes the loss of an eye to see better, then this is a good thing. Lord, help me to see what I couldn't or wouldn't see before. And 10 days later, I wrote this. I will live for the unseen and the eternal, 2 Corinthians 4.18, and refuse to faint or give up, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. We've all heard the expression, what you see is what you get. But really, where you look and what you see is who you are and what you will become. 
what you are becoming right now. And so, dear friends, I ask, where will you look? Your success will depend on what you see, verse 18. The text says, do not look on the things that are seen. We're not to make temporary things the object of our affection, nor do we to have the acquiring of things as the goal of our life. The text adds the corollary, but look on the things that are unseen. Our spiritual eyes have been opened as believers, and we're able to see the unseen. We no longer walk in darkness, and we have the light of life. You know, some things that we see, we never forget. You probably can think of some things right now in your own life. I have a son, and uh, some of you go to his church, so I'll not name uh, David Marriott today, but I'll just say that's my son. And uh, he is colorblind, all right? Now, he probably didn't want me to tell 1,500 people that, but uh, it's just between us, all right? So I remember somebody gave him a pair of glasses, this is a couple years ago, where he could put them on and he could see colors, new glasses, okay, and uh, sunglasses of a variety. And uh, he recorded the event so that mom and I uh, could see exactly what happened. He put the glasses on. He went out into the backyard on a beautiful spring day when everything is blooming and the colors were full. And he said, oh, 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 that's what that looks like. Oh, he saw things that he had never seen before. Well, that's the experience of someone that trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, someone that knows him, someone that is able to see the unseen that the world can't see, we can see. We see the created world and the people in it through the eyes of God. As Paul wrote later in the next chapter, now we know no man after the flesh. We don't look at him just as an outward individual. We know he has an eternal soul. And we begin thinking on heavenly things, seeing him who is invisible and loving the unseen Jesus and serving him. Wherever you look, wherever you put your attention and affection will determine your life. And so graduate, give your attention, your ambition, your life to the unseen purposes of God because I'm going to tell you, the outward man perishes. As young as you are, you don't really (laughs) understand and uh, respect the fact that you will get old very quickly. And, uh, and I'll tell you, you won't have to wait until you're my age to feel it. I remember trying to play outfield. I was a pretty good baseball player. I remember trying to play outfield when I was simply about 30 years old. I'm out there in the outfield, and uh, ball gets hit, and uh, I said, I got it. And my legs didn't cooperate, all right? I didn't realize how slow uh, I had gotten. And it didn't get better after that. Let me tell you. And here Paul has taken physical abuse in the service of Christ. He's worn and he's scarred. He's in a deteriorating physical condition through all of his sufferings and his beatings. And even Christian people, some of them looked at him and wondered about his leadership, wondered about his apostolic authority because he looked so puny and poor on the outside. But Paul is saying, whoa, you're not seeing the right things. You're not seeing the truth about me. The truth is the inward man is renewed 
every day. He wasn't focused on outward comforts. He was looking to the inner working of God who was transforming him and enlisting him in a service of ultimate significance and preparing him for eternal reward. Graduate, give your attention, ambition, your life to unseen, eternal purposes because it's the inner man that really matters. The inner man, the inner person is renewed day by day. And so you don't have to be run down, you don't have to wear out, and you don't have to give up. You can be renewed. Paul has already taught how this renewal takes place. It's a continuing process. Chapter 3, verse 18, really tells us about that. It's through his word and the power of his spirit that we're changed from glory to glory. It's a progressive sanctification into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in our passage, we we have the promise of spiritual renewal and reward as well as the path to faithful, meaningful life and ministry. But there's a contingency. Ah, contingency in the contract. It says, while we look. Continuing without fainting, growing in Christ's likeness, and serving with purpose and effectiveness requires looking at the unseen things of God, directing our lives according to that path. So who you are determines what you see. Now I'm assuming, and I hope I can assume that, that every one of these graduates has trusted Christ as Savior, and so you are a believer in Christ. You are equipped with the Holy Spirit. You are capable of seeing the things that you need to see. Only believers in Christ are able to see the unseen. Now, you know, to the broader audience today, there may be some in attendance today that really do not understand why someone would choose to attend Maranatha Baptist University. I mean, there are people in Wisconsin that have never heard of Maranatha Baptist University. You don't come to Maranatha Baptist University, you know, because you're going to be highly esteemed by all the people of the world. And the world is, you know, all the reporters are outside, by the way. We didn't let the fake media in, but they're, they're out there waiting for you, okay? And, and they, they're going to interview you because everybody in the world wants to know about Maranatha Baptist University's graduation. Is that how things are? And there will be some of you saying, well, my son, my daughter, uh, my grandchild, uh, my friend had much more ability than to attend a school like this. Well, you're wrong on a couple of counts. By the way, congratulations being in the 94th percentile nationally as a graduating class. That's pretty good, all right? So we don't take a back seat with any of that. But the world doesn't notice, right? So why would you be here? Because we're not looking at the outward things, the unseen things or what's important to every one of us, the things that are worth sacrificially investing in. And there are parents and grandparents and others here today that have sacrificially uh, given, they've encouraged, they've pushed along in some cases for you to be here and to get the kind of education that will direct you to see what you need to see so that you can become what you need to become. And we're glad that you've made it to this point. 
So don't be among those who faint. Too many have done so. Keep looking forward. Live for the unseen things of eternity and things that are rarely celebrated and usually despised on this earth. The last thing I expected on June 24th, 2019 was a diagnosis of cancer. I knew I had a detached retina. I didn't know there was a big melanoma behind it. So how did you respond? Well, I believe I responded full of God's grace on that day. The response in many ways was already determined, already built in from previous life inputs. How long did you study for the exam? All my life. How much preparation did you have for that bad news in the doctor's office that you're going to lose your eye to cancer and you may lose your life? Had a lot of preparation for it by daily visiting with God in his word, walking with him, when I'm disobedient, asking his forgiveness, beseeching him for grace, living in daily fellowship with Christ. So when the bad news came, well, Lord, I belong to you. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. When we're looking at the things unseen, we know that fresh strength is available every day. It's renewed day by day. Every situation is covered when we're walking with him. And we know that the troubles that we go through are actually light and temporary compared with the eternal weight of glory that we uh, will have one day. And we know that every difficulty we face in life has meaning. Our light affliction, it says, worketh for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Nothing that happens in your life is meaningless. It's all part of our Father's plan to develop us to make us like him. God saved you to make you like Jesus. That's his eternal purpose. That's the unseen purpose the world knows nothing about. Paul said it this way, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So graduate, live for things that are important to God. You know, I've never met a senior saint who was sorry he lived for Christ. In fact, I've never met anyone that said he was sorry. I've never met anyone that said, I gave too much for the cause, or I didn't get to enjoy the sinful pleasures of life. But as a young pastor, I will never forget visiting the hospital room of a 96-year-old godly saint, and I asked him a couple of questions, and he answered by saying, I wish I had given him more. I wish I had given him more. Graduate, be faithful to your God-given responsibilities. Be faithful to your marriage, to your family. Be faithful to your life's calling. Faithfully uphold the truth that the fallen culture all around us so desperately needs. Make the gospel the priority in all of life's relationship. Participate in evangelism. 
Make the local church the center of life and ministry because it's the central focus of what God's trying to do in this world as well. As believers, we must not live for temporal things, the things of this world, the attractions and pleasures this world offers apart from God, but we're to live unto him. And we must recognize that the best the world has to offer is dung. Can I use that King James word? Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them as dung, that I may win Christ. Now Paul was not speaking so much as a lost man coming to Christ, but he was speaking as a saved man giving all for Christ. And that's what we're called to do. Turn away from the dung of this world, can I say it, and turn to things of substance, things of eternity, things that matter, things that will last forever. Around the time of the I loss, I wrote this in July 2019. I don't have God's mind And I don't pretend to counsel him. It is enough for me to know that he is with me and I will be his forever. Until then, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 is my hope. Thank you. Graduates, we love you. We trust you'll go out seeing the right things and becoming the right people and serving until Jesus comes. Let's stand together for prayer. Father, thank you for these graduates. Thank you for their good attention today and the attention of everyone. I pray that you'd burn the truths of the scripture into our hearts, that we might be obedient to you in all that we do. Lord, for this offering, we pray you would receive it, and use it for your glory. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen.